all ninjas. Calling all ninjas. It's time for Lime Ninja Radio. Today on Lime Ninja Radio. I'm done with it. And that is a, a big corner for a lot of patients to turn. And that that moment, I just finally just picked myself up and said, you know what? I'm going to stop paying attention when I wake up in the morning, every ache and pain I have, and start documenting, stop documenting all my symptoms. I'm going to stop going for all these tests. I'm going to stop focusing on this illness. This podcast is sponsored by the Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker. I'm so excited to tell you about our new Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker. One of the things I hear over and over again, whether it's talking to a patient in my office or consulting over the phone with a client, is just how difficult it is to keep track of progress on their Lyme journey. Recording symptoms daily or even weekly gives them too many data points. There are so many ups and downs, twists and turns that at some point they get lost and confused. The Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker takes all the guesswork out of tracking symptoms with a simple monthly questionnaire. Once a month is the perfect interval to see if that new supplement or protocol is working. Right now, when you take the Symptom Tracker questionnaire, we give you a simple composite score for the month. But we have big plans and the data you enter will not be lost as we roll out new features. Best of all, it's free. Just head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker and sign up. That's LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker. You'll be glad you did. Join us every Thursday on iTunes for the latest episode of Lime Ninja Radio. Hello, I'm your Lime Journey Guru, McKay Rippey, and this is episode number 233 with Greg Kirk. Also, welcome our show producer and the brains behind Lime Ninja Radio, Aurora. Hello, everybody. And in this episode, you will learn three main things, when to put antibiotics aside, why symptom retracing or experiencing the symptoms you had when you first got sick could mean the treatment you're on is working, and why you need to stop asking what's the best treatment and start asking what's the best treatment for me. Thanks, Aurora, and a big shout out to all you longtime Lime Ninjas. You're the reason we have more than half a million downloads. Aurora and I really, really appreciate you tuning in. And we'd also like to welcome aboard all the new listeners out there. Welcome to Lime Ninja Radio. You are now officially a Lime Ninja. And as you know, Lyme disease is an international problem. Each week we have listeners join you from all over the world. And this past week we've had listeners tune in from Serbia to Saudi Arabia and from Norway to New Zealand. It's amazing how international the audience is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lyme is indeed an international problem. All right, Aurora, tell us a little bit more about today's guest, Greg Kirk. Greg Kirk was sick with Lyme for 15 years. After not responding to Western medicine treatments, he started exploring energy work and holistic health practices. Since recovering from Lyme disease, he has focused his efforts on helping Lyme patients through organizations he has founded, including Ticked Off Music Fest, the Ticked Off Foundation, a nonprofit patient fund, and the Lyme Recovery Clinic, and now LimeKnowledge.com. That's a boatload of stuff he's doing. Yeah, he's certainly contributing a lot. Um, McKay. Yes. Why do you want to talk about Greg Kirk? Why did you want to talk to Greg Kirk? Other than he's an awesome dude? Yes, he is an awesome dude. <laughs> Greg has a new book out 
called the gratitude gratitude curve. There we go, not gratitude. The gratitude curve. And in it, he talks about the lessons he learned from being chronically ill from Lyme disease. And the first phase of getting better and the first phase in our Lyme journey roadmap is to get your mindset right. And it's probably the most important part and maybe the easiest to lose. So this episode is really all about that phase of your Lyme journey. Whether or not you're just getting started out or you've been in it for a long time, it's always a good idea to cycle back and check out, okay, you know, how's my mind doing? How's my heart doing? How's my spirit doing? And I'm engaged in this and I'm am I winning the psychological Lyme war or am I losing it? And gratitude, which Greg puts points out in the title of his book is one of the key tools that you can use to begin to move forward. So that's why I want to talk to him. And with that said, here's our interview with Greg Kirk. Hello, Greg. This is McKay Rippey from Lime Ninja Radio. Hey, McKay. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, likewise. You got a lot going on, man. Why don't you fill me in on some of the things you're doing? Okay. Well, uh, published a book last year, last April, and called The Gratitude Curve, which is really the, the detailed description of what I went through um, for years after being diagnosed with Lyme disease back in 2005 and all the, the treatments I went through. And... Um, you know, from Western medical treatments to the alternative treatments to the, I guess you could call it the energetic or even mystical treatments, all of which, you know, contributed to uh, my healing journey to the point where I, I got better. Um, I, I, well, <laughs> even, you know, so when I'm saying the, the Western medicine stuff, while it was very destructive for me and didn't help me physically, it, it taught me a lot. And uh, that's pretty much how I uh, ended up writing the book was everything that happened to me, whether it be, you know, painful or bad or, or, you know, what I consider bad at the time had a silver lining to it that. Um, so when I finally got into recovery back in 2011, 2012 time period, um, I was a different person than I was when I, when the disease started in, in, in many, many ways, so my lifestyle, my, my eating habits had to change for me to get better. Um, I went through some spiritual awakenings that pointed me away from, you know, kind of like the typical lifestyle I had been leading at the time, which was, uh, you know, I was working a corporate job. I was trying to make money. I was really focused on myself and my family uh, to the point where afterwards I was, well, what I'm doing now is I'm helping people every day. So the conclusion at the end of this was, you know, after going and, and then kind of embarking on a spiritual journey after after getting better from, from the Lyme. So that these are all things I had not counted on. It made my life better, you know. So you could you know it got to the point where I was actually becoming grateful for having had the disease experience. Which, you know, that sounds crazy to some people. It would have sounded crazy to me back in 2005 <laughs> or two, that, during 2005 and 2007. I almost died from the, the, the treatment I was going through and, and the disease itself, you know, a couple of different times. And if you would have told me 
hey, you should be grateful for this. <laughs> I would have I would have tried to hurt you. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was in a bad place. I was actually at a point where I was praying to die. You know, I just did not. I was in so much pain and agony and debilitated. And the treatment was straight antibiotics and pharmaceuticals. And my body did not react well to them. Uh, it, it probably contributed to the z- disease after a point. You know, I started taking antibiotics in the beginning and they made me feel a little bit better. But then after staying on them for five years, um, they just completely shut down my system to the point where I, you know, it was, it was dangerous. Can, can we so. pause there? So I'm, I'm curious because this is one of the, the key things that I'm interested in now is when do you stop a treatment and try something else? Now, antibiotics for five years, that's a long time. Yeah. What what so, kept you going? What made you think, well, you know, it'll be different tomorrow or next month or something right. like that? Yeah, yeah. That's I'm really glad you asked that question because I think the answer will help a lot of people. So what happened to me was I didn't know anything about Lyme disease when I got it. By the way, I've since collaborated on a website called LymeKnowledge.com that the reason I created it because this is what I wish I had, you know, back in 2005 when I was diagnosed. So I didn't know anything about Lyme disease and I had a great naturopath who diagnosed me. So, you know, I went through that very extended period of not knowing what was wrong with me and for two years. And then I finally got diagnosed, which, you know, that's the first hurdle in, in a lot of people, Lyme patients, you know, healing journey. So after I got there and, and I was actually relieved to find, oh, it's Lyme disease. It's not cancer. It's not diabetes. It's not all these other things, you know, heart disease or anything that I was worried about. So after getting the diagnosis, I thought, great, you know, I'll just take some antibiotics and get better. That's what my doctors told me. Mm -hmm. Stay on antibiotics. There's nothing stronger than antibiotics. Three of my doctors told me. Right. Some of of these are considered famous and well-respected Lyme literate doctors. And they just said, stay on the antibiotics until you feel better. I said, okay. And that's why I stayed on them. And the, the two, two things they told me, stay on the antibiotics until you feel better. And there's nothing stronger than antibiotics. So I believed them. So why did I change my mind? Yeah. After staying on the for that's, five years? That's the next question, right? It's like, what, yeah. what, yeah. what woke yeah. you up? At what point do you get frustrated well, or disillusioned or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it wasn't a mental thing. It was a physical thing. I got a C. disinfection. Oh, that no. killed me. Yeah. I got walking pneumonia. So a clear sign that the antibiotics after five years had just completely shut down my immune system. So I was walking around with pneumonia, and I was going to see my general practitioner, and he gave me two rounds of different antibiotics. When I came back a third time, and had not responded at all to the antibiotics. I hadn't told him I was already on four other <laughs> antibiotics for Lyme. Wow. And when I told when I told him that, I said, "Well, this will be my fifth antibiotic I'm on." And I made a joke that, "Wow, how is anything living in my body at this point? Because I'm on five antibiotics. Mm-hmm. How does a germ exist?" And his eyes went wide. Mm-hmm. And he said, "You're scaring me." <laughs> that, and I said, "Well." Imagine how I feel because I think you're scaring me. You're just throwing antibiotics at me. Yeah. And um, that was his only solution. So that's when I realized. And then at the time, you know, when you when you're that dedicated to a particular treatment and the, the end result is 
you're you're almost dying. You start looking at other alternatives. So I started looking into herbal treatments. I started looking into psychics, for God's sake. I mean, I was looking for anything, right? So mm-hmm. the psychics were telling me, these people are harming you. And I was like, I believe you. <laughs> I, 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 and I stopped believing the doctors who said stay with antibiotics, you know, and there's nothing stronger than herbal treatments. Because the first thing I did was go on the Zhang protocol. I, I started consulting Dr. Zhang in Manhattan, and I started taking his Chinese herbal medicine treatment. And wow, the herpses I had with that treatment were so powerful, way stronger than, you know, the reactions I got from the antibiotics that it made a, a new believer out of me. Yeah. Let's, let's pause here for a second, because my understanding of Herxheimer reactions have changed. I just want to start to get this out there. Uh, and, and, and it's, uh, well, it's, it's a little bit more than a theory. It's, it's a possibility of what's going on. So we, mm-hmm. we typically think of a Herxheimer is that uh, the treatment is killing off something in us, right? Lime or right. one of the associated things, or maybe something in our gut or yeast or whatever it is. And that the right. toxicity buildup is too much for our liver and lymph system to handle. And therefore we're actually, it's a little bit of, of poisoning, right? So that's, right. that's kind of the, you know, my early years of Lyme. So I've been studying the immune mm-hmm. system a lot. Herxheimer can also be simply your immune system waking up. Mm, okay. Well, Right. So when a healthy person gets the flu, how do you feel? You feel, mm-hmm. th- and why do they call it like, oh, well, the Herxheimer's like flu like yeah. symptoms, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and r- r- right. So one, one of the things that can happen, and you're talking about this down regulation of your immune system, which was clear, you know, you have walking pneumonia yeah. and you have C. diff. Hello. Right. Yeah. When your immune system yeah. wakes up, what's it going to do? It's going to get active. And so you're going to have all these inflammatory responses that you weren't able to have before. So some of the activity of these Herxheimer reactions may simply be your immune system coming back online. Yeah, I agree. And there's also something that makes it even more complicated. Without even being on treatment, you can have something that's called, you know, symptom flares. So that's just your body's natural reaction to being attacked by the pathogens or it die, you know, them dying and you know, releasing cytokines, which creates inflammation and creates, you know, the same kind of reactions you get from a Herxheimer reaction. So yes, yep. Why, you know, I, I'm going to shoot forward a little bit. I'm helping patients now, um, you know, and I'll, I'll get into the, the details of how that started. But, you know, th- these patients, when we start treatment, and they start having reactions. A lot of times, it's pretty clear it's from the treatment because they start taking the treatment, and directly within an hour, they start reacting. Exactly. Um, yep. But 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 they they get scared because they they say, oh, some of these symptoms remind you know are just like the symptoms I had years ago when I first started treating, or even before I was treating. It it makes them think they're going backwards. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's something that I've heard of called symptom retracing, where a lot of times when you start taking, you know, like a real broad spectrum treatment like the Cowden protocol, the first few symptoms you feel are mimics or are exactly like the ones you had years ago, you know, when you were first either treating or first having symptoms. So it's, it's, it's an unusual thing or well, actually it's not unusual. It's um, peculiar 
And it, and it kind of shakes the resolve of a lot of patients where they think, oh my God, this is making me feel like I did when I had no hope, <laughs> you know? So anyway, it, it's complicated. I mean, to your yeah, point, yeah, yeah, yes. it, this reaction could be all of the above. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And yeah. what, what you bring out, is so important. We, I mean, I see this in my, this is part of my acupuncture training. It's like, okay, strange things happen when the body starts to heal and we were, you know, yeah. we're healing people by sticking, you know, really tiny needles in them, no drugs, nothing at all. We're just calling the body to back into uh, functioning again. And in doing so, like mm-hmm. you said, old symptoms can come to the surface for, you know, for usually it's for a fairly short uh, period of time. It's not something that's going to last for, for weeks or months. Exactly. And, right. right. And, and it's part of the homeopathic, Canon too, so that the, the mm-hmm. law, you know, law of cure, uh, a healing crisis, something like this. But we've got in our mind that healing is is a it's a one way path, and you only feel better on it, <laughs> right? right? There are no yeah, twists and exactly. there are no twists and turns, and there's no setbacks, and that's not reality. That's simple right. things, right? I mean, even yeah. if you have a knee yeah. replacement, you have to go through right? The, the rehab that comes after it and people, people are set up for that. So they know, okay, it's going to hurt a lot. I want to go through rehab. And then the reality hits right. and they're pretty grumpy about it, but at least they knew it was coming. We still have this idea right. that in, in getting over an infection or something like this is just, you wake up one day, you're better and that's it. You feel bad and then you feel better. There's none of this, exactly. you know, twists and turns as the body's systems come back online. And yeah. clear and so, clear out what's in there. You know, there's got to be your immune yeah. system's doing all the work, and that's that's what's happening yeah. with the antibiotics. We think these antibiotics are magic, or even the herbs are magic. Like most of the time, it's probably just encouraging and helping your immune system do its job. Right. So I know we're, we're veering off the topic of my book, but I just you you make you are kind of triggering me to bring up something that <clears throat> is, is coming up a lot in the patients I'm talking to seeing in a lot of the Lyme groups where there's a lot of debate on, oh, is there a cure for Lyme disease? Or, you know, can you go into complete remission or this kind of thing? And, you know, that what you brought up is we have this, I, I think it's just all about how, you, how we're looking at this disease. And it's not just one disease, it's multiple pathogens. A lot of times it's because of the unique nature of the multiple pathogens and how they affect your immune system. There's other things involved, like viruses and parasites, and it's a whole. So it's a multi-dimensional situation that is not anything like the acute illnesses that we're used to. You know, where you go in, you see a doctor, the doctor diagnoses you, gives you medicine, and there's a short path to recovery. This is not that situation. So there's a lot of patients who talk to me and say, "Well, this treatment you're giving me, will I?" ultimately be better. One patient said to me, I keep repeating this to other patients. He said, I don't want to have to keep looking over my shoulder for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I, and, and I said, that's well, understandable. Nobody yeah. does. Right. Nobody does. But do patients who get chicken pox look over their shoulder for the rest of their life? Because there's a, there's a very similar thing that happens with Lyme disease where you go into quote unquote remission for chicken pox, but there, you have something that disrupts your immune system later on in life. You get shingles. And that's very much what can happen with, with Lyme disease, where you can go into, for all intents and purposes, you know, complete remission. And you're not on treatment and you're enjoying your life. But if you get in a, 
I mean, you were actually in the room, and Dr. Cowden said this when we, we both went through tr- uh, training with Dr. Cowden. He said, for the patients who go into full remission, and if you get in a car wreck or have a concussion or have a, even something like a death in the family or something that is traumatic to you that causes your immune system to go down, he says, don't wait. There, there is potentially remnants of Lyme in your body that can wake back up because your immune system's down. And not just Lyme, other things like Epstein bar and mono and stuff. So he just says, don't worry about it. Just start going, you know, two to three months of treatment and then it, it, you'll knock it down. It'll be fine. You'll stay in remission. You know, so I say this to these patients, like you don't have to look over your shoulder, but just know that, you know, I, I do have other patients who say, well, I want to go back to eating pizza and, and drinking soda again. And, you know, what I learned in, in, in my <laughs> healing journey was with the disease, you're kind of being pointed, not kind of, you're being pointed away from those choices in your life because those choices in your life now contribute to this illness. So, you know, drinking beer, which is what I used to do, uh, eat, you know, drinking soda, eating pizza and, you know, other you know, sugary foods and things like that. I can't eat those anymore or they make me feel bad. And, you know, does that bum me out? Well, you know, what bums me out more is, is being sick. <laughs> so people have to realize that you're, there's some aspects of your life need to change and it's a good thing. And it doesn't really mean that much to you to be able to eat Twinkies, you know, for the rest of your life. To me, it doesn't. You know, I, I don't mind taking, you know, some supportive um, supplements and even some antimicrobials every now and then just to make sure I'm, I, I stay on the right track. You know, I, b- before this illness, I was into bodybuilding and I was already taking a whole bunch of supplements to optimize my body. I'm, I'm just continuing to do the same thing now to keep my immune system strong, you know, cause I don't ever want it. I'm sure it like with any illness you ever have, there's, there's always traces of it still remaining in your body. So I, I don't look over my shoulder. I just, I just keep myself healthy, you know? So anyway, so, you know, went through that entire experience and then had this kind of epiphany at the end of it. Cause I, I, after kind of reviewing it, I was like, why did I go through this? Even as I was going through it, I was thinking, why did I go through this? Did I kill someone in a past life or something? I mean, did I, what did I do wrong, you know, um, to deserve this? And then after I kind of got out of that mentality, the victim mentality, I started realizing, you know, especially as I I shifted towards helping people, I realized, wow, the whole point of what I went through, I mean, literally death-defying stuff, was to help tell people what I went through so they don't have to go through it. They can avoid it. And um, to help people uh, get better, you know, myself helped them get better, but also what I've been noticing in the past uh, year or two definitely since the book came out, but even prior to that was I'm helping patients who also want to help other people. So it's like this chain reaction of like paying it forward. I, I meet a lot of patients who are like, I can't wait to get better to do what you're doing, Greg. You know, I started a foundation that helps patients, you know, with pay for treatment for Lyme. And, and a lot of people say, I want to do that too. And I just say to them, well, when you get better, just, I've already done it. <laughs> Join me. I need help. So and then, you know, after, so basically what happened was I got better in 2011, 2012 timeframe and then uh, started the ticked off 
Music Fest, which is a, a benefit concert series. And when I first started that, I kind of had the knee-jerk reaction and used the template that I see with, with cancer and all these other diseases of, oh, we're going to find a cure. We're going to raise awareness and find a cure. That's that's why we're raising money. And we raised money. I didn't start a nonprofit yet at this point. And then we were giving money to other organizations that were raising awareness and, you know, trying to find better diagnostics and all that kind of stuff. And which was great for the first year. But what happened during this time was we, we started holding these events all over different parts of the country, especially areas that you would think would be hotspots for Lyme, like Jacksonville, Florida, Annapolis, Maryland, Los Angeles, California, Honolulu, Hawaii. There's Lyme in all of these places. And what we found was as we were throwing these benefit concerts, I was expecting the audience to be more or less healthy people who wanted to donate and help the cause. Instead, it was 80% Lyme patients showing up. And many of them were not just showing up to listen to music. They were showing up to get information. And they were showing up in walkers and wheelchairs and with oxygen tanks and crying to us, basically saying, we need doctors, we need information. So that's why I started the Lyme Knowledge website. And then we that the instant reaction within a year of doing this was to start the TikTok Foundation. So the, the foundation basically is like a mini insurance company that helps fund the treatment of Lyme patients who qualify, who come in. And then during the course of us starting that, Nutramatics reached out to us and said, hey, we like what you're doing. Uh, we want to, we don't, you know, you, you can't sell the Cowden protocol and we don't want, we can't legally ask you to do that. But, you know, we're being watched by the FDA. You're being watched by the IRS because you're a nonprofit. But we like that you're, you know, got this mechanism to qualify people. And they, they basically just said, the patients who qualify, you can just ask them if they want a discount on the Cowden protocol. And, uh, and so we make that offer to patients. And, you know, a lot of patients contact Nutramedics first or contact us just looking for the Calvin protocol. And, you know, we, we get a really deep discount for them, which is great. So that's, that's an added thing that we do as well. So anyway, we got rolling with that for a while, but, you know, I, as I mentioned, you know, got trained by Dr. Cowden and then, you know, I had a background in, in Reiki and, and spiritual healing. And I just, I, in uh, 2017 opened up the Lyme recovery clinic, uh, where I live in Connecticut and have been helping patients, not just with the herbal treatments, but with the spiritual and energetic help. So what I'm finding, and maybe you are finding this too with the patients you help, okay, is um, some patients get stuck. And I mean, many of them do. And, and there's kind of like a sequence that we go through to find out what's blocking them. And a lot of times it's parasites. Sometimes it's mold. Sometimes it's genetic problems that they've got like methylation issues or mast cell granulation, things like that. But if we go through all these physical things and they just, they continue not to react, I'm finding that these patients have emotional or even spiritual blockages. So it could be trauma, you know, earlier in this life, or as I'm starting to find just in the past year and a half, sometimes it's past life. Or sometimes these people have some sort of weird etheric attachment to them. And I've been doing distance healing and in-person healing sessions. And patients have been going into remission just from these energy sessions. 
which is hard for me to even believe, but it happens. And sometimes that's just what the patient needs. But I, I found that what the best thing that, that helps patients overall is if they're on some sort of physical treatment, you know, and then they get stuck. And then the, we add the, the energy healing methodical, you know, like paying as much dedication to uh, energy healing as the, the physical treatment. And then boom, these patients, it, it unlocks something in them. So anyway, that's a long-winded way of describing where I got, how I got to writing the book. But at the end of it, you know, doing all this stuff, I just thought, wow, you know, it would be great to describe all this in a book and give hope to people that you don't have to die from Lyme disease. You know, you, there's, there's many routes to healing. And I, I described the ones I went through. It doesn't necessarily mean they're the ones that you can take, but it will give you some ideas. And um, and that's so I published that book last year, um, last April, and have started to do um, I started doing the typical book signing stuff. You know, where I show up at a bookstore and you know sign autographs and talk about the book a little bit. And but it, it was the same kind of thing as with the concerts, where people were coming to really know more about like, or they want to be healed. So last summer I did I started something that has become really really powerful um, down at a yoga studio on Rehoboth Beach, Delaware or Lewis, Delaware. Um, I did a did a book signing. I did a presentation. So I spoke for an hour and a half about you know more or less what I'm just talking about now. Went into the t- treatment uh, ideas and then uh, did healing sessions, one hour healing sessions, you know, six of them in a row with these patients. And I, I thought, wow, how am I going to do this? But it it was it was great, and we had massive. Uh, one patient went in, into transformative experience where, you know, she'd been in a car wreck, and she, you know, so she needed physical healing, and that was hindering her, her physical, her mind healing, but also she had spiritual things going on, and she, you know, she had a big session, transformative session, and um, anyway, so I'm doing these things now every other Saturday. I'm doing them in Connecticut, and uh, I'm gonna. I'm starting to schedule them more or less up and down the East Coast of these speaking, talking about the book a bit, and then scheduling these hands-on, one-on-one sessions with patients who are who are ready for that kind of thing. You know, these patients tend to be the ones who have tried everything, like I did, tried all the physical stuff, tried the antibiotics, tried even some herbal things, and just gotten stuck and and looking for other answers, and that's. So that's that's why I wrote the book, and that's why I'm doing these kind of mini book signing healing tours, which I really enjoy, and uh, looking forward to meeting more people. That's awesome. You know, for me, where my training and experience come from, it's not that hard to swallow because I've seen it in my own practice. Now, I may use different language to describe it, but it's essentially the same thing. And there's, if you haven't yet uh, come across the, the the author's name, well, he's a researcher scientist. His name is Antonio Antonio Damasio. About twenty years, he wrote a book called Descartes' Error. And Descartes was basically he he made a deal with the church. He said, "Look, all I want to do is study the body. I'm not interested in the mind or the spirit. That can be all yours. But can I do some experiments? You know, looking at physiology, basically." So, so he created the split between the mind and body. 
right? So now we have to have mind-body medicine to bring them back together. It only happened in the West, right? This is a totally European thing. They don't have this problem in Africa. They don't have this problem in in South America. They don't have this problem in the in the East in China. But we created it. Now, it created amazing types of medicine. Like we have all this emergency medicine now that that saved so many lives. But at the same time, it's created a blind spot. And and what you're doing is addressing this blind spot. Now, we do have some some science, and they call it psychoneuroimmunology, right? So that's beginning to get mm-hmm. to, like your, your attitude, your mindset influences how your immune system is doing, right. right? And we all know this. It's like when we're stressed, we get sick. Right. I mean, right. we know this, yeah. but, but somehow when you get something as serious as Lyme disease, then, well, we know stress will make it feel worse, but that can't be part of your healing. It's like not I'll feel better and then I'll heal. It's I'll feel better after I heal. So we focus on right. kill the bug, kill the bug, kill the bug. Or, you know, if we're a little bit more enlightened, then we have some, you know, alternative therapies in there and supporting the immune system rather than killing the bug. But still it's like, we'll, you know, the emotional spirit part will come along afterwards there. The one part I want to get to your, in your story, and you mentioned this probably about 10 minutes ago. Now you talked about how you moved out of the victim mode. And so did, did the gratitude come at the same time or did shifting the victim mode first? And then all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, I'm actually, I'm actually grateful for some things. Right. Yeah. It happened in stages. And I've written, I wrote a blog about this and then I wrote uh, a chat. It basically became a chapter in the book. It's called the six stages of of healing lines of healing chronic lines. So Elizabeth Kubler Ross wrote the stages of grief, you know, back in, I think it was 1969 in her book on death and dying. So, you know, people kind of know those stages of uh, anger and, bargaining and all you know and then finally acceptance as for people who everyone goes through it for once realizing that you're going to die you you go through these stages of grief and i noticed in my own healing and then eventually as i started helping patients there were stages not exactly the same um and not linear like the stages of grief but i started noticing that kind of there were some stages that people had to go through before they could go to the next one. So, yeah, to answer your question, it wasn't like I got out of victimhood and then, boom, I had this spiritual epiphany and felt gratitude. No. First, it was discovery. Like, what's wrong with me? And that took years, and it can take patients decades to to get that Lyme diagnosis. And almost everybody I talk to goes through the same thing. Once they get the Lyme diagnosis, they're relieved. They're like, thank God, now I know I can what this is and I can attack it. And that's very short lived <laughs> relief because then you go into the treatment phase and you're like, Oh my God, what, what's the right treatment? And there is no straight answer, you know, for, for anyone, everybody's different. Um, you know, antibiotics sometimes work for some people, but you know, I, I you know, I talk to people who, uh, you know, some of them actually have gone into remission from a short stint of antibiotics. I mean, that happens to patients who you catch the infection early, of course, but sometimes in very, very rare cases, people stay on antibiotics and get better. 
and that's it. But it, for the most part, it's it's not like that. It's it's basically you you have to start shaking things up and finding out what works best for you. So I, I look online all the time. I'm a part of these Lyme groups, and there's all these people asking what what's the best treatment, and that's right. kind of like asking what's the yeah. best food to eat. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, it, it depends on you. So anyway, treatment, you know, one of the steps and then um, disillusionment. So this this is one that I think is really important for patients to go through. And it sounds terrible, but, you know, like who wants to go through disillusionment? But the quicker you go through this phase, the quicker you can kind of realize that this is not a regular disease. And and disillusionment, I felt, was with my doctors, you know, the, the trusted doctors, the and, and I talk to patients all the time who say the same thing. They're like, my doctor, you know, is, is one of the best doctors out there, one of the best Lyme doctors out there. And he or she is really nice. And then when I listen to how they're being treated, <laughs> it's like they're just throwing pharmaceuticals at them and charging them, you know, $900 a visit or $10 an hour to ask questions on their phone. I'm like, that's not nice. And they're really not spending any time to customize the treatment for you because you're different than everyone else. So it, you start to get disillusioned. Then when you try to have insurance pay for this, forget it. So that then there's a disillusionment about that. And then, then you just you just get disillusioned. So the, the sooner you realize that those tried and true methods of you know treatment are not probably not going to work for you. Then you, you then you start the sooner you realize that the sooner you start looking for methods that really will help you. So that disillusionment phase is, is really really important. Um, and so yeah, I, and then the, the 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 next phase is is anger and and panic. And that that was the phase I was in. Kind of this, I was in the victim mode. I was pissed off. Then I started getting pissed off at my insurance and getting in fights with them. And then you know a lot of Lyme patients go through this. Like people just start thinking that you're crazy. Like you're not, you don't look sick and you don't, you just because you visibly don't have open wounds or you're not walking around in crutches. Sometimes people think, oh, you're, you're mentally ill. And when this happens, you get, you know, you start fighting with the people who are trying to help you. It can be very confusing. You start fighting with doctors and it's just a waste of time. And that's where I was, That what we were talking about, where I, I was just angry. I'm like, what did I do to deserve this? And I was pissed off. And I was mad at my entire family. I was mad at um, all my doctors. And, I, you know, I basically just spent time justifying my anger by saying, you know, man, these people are really screwing me over. But it, in the meantime, I got sicker. So the whole thing that you mentioned earlier, like my state of mind contributed to my illness. And then it was finally acceptance. I, it, I had to reach this level of acceptance where I, I literally just gave up. I just had this conversation with a patient last night who I'm helping where she's in this, this mode now where she's like, wow, she's feeling hopeless. And I said, okay, let's look at that. You know, that's a scary place to be. It's a scary place to think that you're, you could die from this. You know, it's this treatment doesn't work. So how does that feel? And she's like, well, I feel like <laughs> helpless. I said, okay, but just know this, you know, that feeling doesn't help you. <laughs> and I, and I, and you're completely justified in feeling hopeless, but 
I'll just tell you a quick story that when I felt hopeless and I gave up, something released in me. You know, I literally was praying to die. You know, I didn't want to kill myself, but I just thought it would be okay if I did die because I, I was in such mental and physical pain. I couldn't imagine going on living. But when I, I let go at that point, something physically changed in me where I started, I don't know, things happened in my life that started helping, you know, contribute to my, my healing. And I, I shifted mentally and I, I could feel it physically where treatment started working better for me. And I started becoming more of a spiritual person at that point because I, I had nothing else to hold on to. All these physical things that didn't work, I, I let go of them. Instead of trying to make them work or trying to argue with people to convince them that how sick I was, I didn't give a crap anymore. <laughs> I just was like, well, I'm done with it. And that is a, a big corner for a lot of patients to turn and that at that moment, I just finally just picked myself up and said, you know what? I'm going to stop paying attention when I wake up in the morning, every ache and pain I have and start documenting, stop documenting all my symptoms. Right. I'm going to stop going for all these tests. I'm going to stop focusing on this illness. I'm just going to pick myself up and start moving ahead. You know, like I don't have this disease and I'm going to continue treatment. But I'm just going to keep moving forward, and that was that was a big leap for me, and that that was like how I turned the corner. Yeah. Can I go back when when you were praying? I want to get really nuts and bolts here. Were you praying to die, or were you giving the choice to God? Do you know what I'm saying? Um, it's like God, please take me. Yeah. 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 That's what I was. uh, God, please take me. I basically said. I was kind of like doing a review of my life, you know, I was saying like, I have, I've had a great life. I, I was grateful, you know, for the life I'd had. But the point was, I can't, I, I don't want to go on this way. This way, right. This pain. Now, yeah, and, and so at one point, so clearly God did not take you. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> he said, thank you very much. I've got different plans. <laughs> Yeah, so right. did, did, did that dawn on you? It's like, wait a minute, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm still here or did just that surrendering or, and I, I think it's important, you know, I, I, I don't know enough about it, but this is the point where people commit suicide, right? Right. This is yeah, the point. The difference, yeah. Go ahead. You, yeah. You, you kind of, you go, yeah, you kind of go one way or the other, right? Yep. Where you actively, yeah. And I wasn't there and I talked to a lot of patients who were this way. I, I'd say majority of the patients feel the way that I do, or I did. I mean, I'm sorry, I did. Um, which was, I don't want to live anymore because my quality quality of life is so bad. But I don't want to do anything about it. You know, I, I don't want to actively kill myself. I mean, believe me, we still talk to some patients through the foundation, and we help. We have a counselor on staff now who helps these people who who are and have ideations and active, you know, thoughts about actually doing something about it. But I'd say 95% of the people we talk to just say, I don't want to live anymore, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm not brave enough or I don't have the energy to do it or whatever. Yeah. Uh, that's where I was. And I talked to other spiritual healers and so forth. At that point, they said I did die. You know, obviously not physically. Yes. But my, I, my old life died. And, and let's just think about that. I talked to a lot of the patients who are stuck in their treatment, especially mentally, 
the ones who say, oh my God, I want to go back to my old life. I had such a great life. I was this, that, or the other thing. And this disease took me down. And that's what happened to me. I really enjoyed my life prior to Lyme disease. But, and I mentioned this in the book, I, I equate it to a forest fire. So I basically, I was saying to people, this freaking disease is burning my life to the ground. And so I was fighting that idea. I, I didn't want my life to burn to the ground. But, you know, it's kind of like Bobby McKee saying, you know, when you got freedoms, just another word for nothing left to lose. But that, that's when everything burns away in your life and you got nothing left to lose, you are free at that point. And that's what happened to me. And I, I realized this was a forest fire. It burnt everything up. And but look, forest fires are good for the forest. It burns away all the dead wood, leaves room for new growth. And that's exactly what happened. Like it burned away all the things. Now I'm looking at them. They have no value to me. You know, the drinking beer, the working in a corporate environment, that kind of stuff. I, that that had high value to me at the time, but they all got burned away. And now I lead a life that's much more purpose-driven and fulfilling and service to others that I never would have thought of pursuing in that lifestyle. So, yeah, you know, at some point when I was praying to die, you know, God or my guardian angels or whatever took me up on it and said, okay, your old life, it's dead. Welcome to your new life. And that that's huge. That's That's a big corner to change. Uh, I hope a lot of people get something out of that because that's holding on to things that don't belong to you anymore that are being burnt away only makes it harder, you know? So that's, that's what happened. And it's scary as hell. And, you know, it's like letting go of a balloon, you know, the balloon's been gone for years and I don't care. <laughs> you know, I, I, I have a whole new life and it's way healthier, much more fulfilling than I could even imagine. So if, if the patients can let go of that, that acceptance, you know, that these things are being burnt away for a reason, that your life is being pointed in a different direction for a reason. You know, those foods that you ate were harming you. You probably didn't know it, but, you know, you're not going to, you're, you're going to die if you keep eating those foods. You're not, you're going to go into better health by not eating them. You're going to go into better health by taking care of yourself. You know, you can't expect to drive a car, you know, for decades and never put any maintenance in it. A lot of us think that's the way we can lead our lives and treat our bodies, but you can't. So, you know, I really look as a disease like Lyme disease an indicator of, you know, it's a big red flag being thrown up to a lot of patients that you need to change your lifestyle and, and stick with it. And that's fine. If there's no, looking over your shoulder. There's no going back. There's no going back to the drinking soda and beer and eating pizza. And for the patients who realize that that's good, I don't care. I want to have a different life. I want to have a healthy life. I want to have a life that's full of magic. And um, that's what happened with me. So I gave, you know, I prayed to die and, you know, I, I didn't realize it at the time, but yeah, spiritual healers I've talked to, they said, you did die that day. <laughs> you, your new life began, and and it was dramatic for me. It may not be dramatic for everybody, but it it was literally within days, within four days, all these wild spiritual changes started happening happening with me, as are detailed in the book. I started meeting these amazing spiritual healers who did all these healings on me that 
was yeah miraculous, just nothing short of miraculous. So that's the other thing I just want to let people know is, you know, magic is really possible in this life. And, you know, we sell short these treatments of energy healing and these ancient healing methods that we look at as, as with quackery and, you know, all that witch doctor stuff. I mean, these, these things have been around long before our Western medicine treatment protocols and methods. You know, they're only 265 years old. These methods have been around for thousands of years, and they've been healing people. And, you know, we never had these mass epidemics and stuff until we started having our, you know, our, our traditional Western medicine stuff. So, you know, and as you mentioned, you know, I'm not saying all Western medicine is bad, obviously. I mean, the trauma stuff is amazing, like you said. And there's it's other, you know, they, there's breakthroughs every day on, on certain medicines that are very helpful to people. But for chronic illness, you know, just we're seeing it in, in, in all these chronic diseases that, that that's just... You know, the way the insurance companies are set up and the way the treatments are set up, they're really, a lot of the treatments are not set up to cure people. They're, they're set up to alleviate symptoms. So when, when patients stay in that mode and keep trying over and over to make these things work, they look for alternative treatments and that's fine. That's good. You're being pointed to these things for a reason. And if you embrace them and accept them, they can be magical. Greg, thank you so much for sharing all your information. You've been very generous with your time. I really appreciate it. I know I hate to cut you off, but uh, at some point we have to wrap the <laughs> the interview right. up. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll yeah. schedule for part two because I know there's a, a lot more to say. And this portion of healing, this portion of people's protocol, this portion of people's Lyme journey is underappreciated and under-communicated. And we, we, we have to do a better job of, uh, of integrating, talking about integrative health. Okay, so now we've included antibiotics and herbs, but no, what about the, the spiritual, uh, psychosocial side of things too? And uh, thank you for bringing to that to the fore and being fearless about it. Uh, it. It takes something to stand up there and, and say what you're doing and, and not give an inch not be embarrassed and back down because people, some people out in the audience look at you funny. Right. Well, I appreciate <laughs> your time. Thank you so much. And thank you for supporting me with this interview and, and supporting others with what you do, your, your work as well. So, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So how do people track you down, find out where you're going to be showing up for these healing sessions, find out about your book, your website you mentioned give us all the dirty details yeah yeah sure so uh, my personal website is gregkirk.com so it's g-r-e-g-g-k-i-r-k.com and kind of all roads lead from there I, there's the lime recovery clinic that's the clinic i run so lime recovery clinic.com is a, another website there's the ticked off foundation.org that's for patients who need help and uh ticked off musicfest.com for people who want to get involved with the uh, music benefit concert series we've got and then limeknowledge.com. So it'd be great just to hear from people who jump on, on those sites and give us feedback and definitely people who want to help us, especially donations with the TikTok foundation. So, so thank you for, uh, you know, helping me broadcast all this. You're very, very welcome.
such an interesting episode. You know, hearing Greg talk about kind of that transformative moment uh, that helped him kind of get over or start his healing process, I'm always a little bit apprehensive to try to translate that into something that can maybe be applicable for other people because I feel like it's such a a personal thing that happens. I can't just come in, swoop in and say, oh yeah, you're going to have a spiritual transformation. You should get on that. So You know, that's funny because we talk to so many people who've had this experience mm-hmm. or something very similar to it. They all talk about the profound nature of it and how important it was to their healing journey. I don't think we as a culture are set up to nurture or create an environment where this happens. I think if you go back hundreds of years, there were probably many more ceremonies that we set up to encourage this type of thing. Whether it's a religious ceremony or a healing ceremony, you can think whatever culture is coming from, designed to get this mindset shift. So it is something that we're a little bit, I think, behind the times on. Even though we've moved forward scientifically, I think we've left this part of healing behind. So first step is just to know that it's out there and to be looking for it. And really, again, beginning with the title of Greg's book, it can begin with gratitude, remembering what you're grateful for, even when you're suffering. There's always something out there that you can generate gratitude, make it up, right? That doesn't mean that it's phony. It just means that it's not staring you in the face. When something big happens that you're grateful for, it's easy. Oh, I feel so grateful. But sometimes you're not feeling grateful about anything and you have to generate it from within. And that muscle, that emotional muscle begins to spread and grow stronger and carry over into other parts of your life. Okay. Well said. (laughs) Thank you. If you like what we're doing here at Lime Ninja Radio, hit the subscribe button. That way you won't miss one single episode. And if you really like what we're doing, leave us a review on your podcast app. It helps us reach more people like you. Yes. We're making a special appeal here in the next few episodes. Leave a review. We're begging. (laughs) We're pleading. We need updated reviews. The last one written review we had was back in October, and iTunes needs to see that people still love us. So if you love us, leave a review. Even if you've done one already, I think you can go back in there and leave another one. You can. We know that for a fact. Yes, I've I've done it before. (laughs) For other podcasts, I hope not ours. Yes, 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 for other podcasts. We don't want to stuff the mailbox. No. It's really important. It helps get the word out there. So please take a minute or two. Just dive into your podcast app. You can leave a little type, a little sentence there showing why this is important to you and it will help get the word out. All right. So that's all on the review. And if you really, really like what we're doing here at Lime Ninja Radio, share this podcast with a friend of yours. You might even save their life. Do you have any feedback, suggestions for guests, really anything? Send an email to feedback at LimeNinjaRadio.com. And last, as you longtime Lime Ninjas know, this podcast would not be complete unless we left you with the Lime Ninja fact of the day. Did you know 
A ninja once climbed Mount Everest in 15 minutes. He spent 14 building a snowman at the bottom. Lime Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.